You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. I always thank God when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith you have toward Jesus. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Robert Steeple, the former leader of World Vision, tells the story of how he met a young Lebanese woman named Mary. This was back in the 1980s, and there was a lot of uh, turmoil going on in the area. And one day, Mary was in her village, and suddenly she hears of how a Muslim militia had invaded the village. So she gets out, and she starts running, and she falls down, and all of a sudden, there's this young 20-year-old Muslim militia member over the top of her. And he says, renounce the cross or die. And she says, I was born a Christian and I will die a Christian. And at that very moment, at that very moment, this young militia member shoots her and then takes his bayonet and draws a cross uh, on her body. Well, the next day, the militia was going through and cleaning up that little village that she lived in, and they found that she was alive. And for some reason, they put her on a stretcher, and they end up hauling her off to the hospital. And we find out that the bullet that went through her severed her spine, and now she's confined to a wheelchair, and she becomes a ward of the state. And Robert got a chance to talk to her and, and ask her this question. He says, how does it feel, how does it feel to, to be strapped to a wheelchair for the rest of your life? How do you feel about the guy who pulled the trigger? She says, I have forgiven him. And he says, Mary, how in the world could you forgive a guy that did this to you? And she said, well, I forgave him because my God forgave me. It's a simple as that. And I hear that story and I'm humbled and I'm amazed because so many times I know that I've held on to grudges, I've held on to hurt, I've hurt, held on to the harsh words that were said to me or how someone did something wrong to me and I've held on to it and then I see this young woman named Mary whose life was totally changed and she forgave. Well, today we are starting a series called New Testament Postcards, small books with a big message. 
And we're looking at the book of Philemon. And it's a small book, but it has a powerful message about forgiveness. Now, let me give you a little bit of historical background. Paul, along with Timothy, wrote the letter to Philemon during one of his imprisonments. And it's the shortest of his letters. Actually, if you look in the Greek, it's 335 words. And he wrote it to discuss a very delicate issue. Philemon appears to be a wealthy Roman citizen who lived in Colossae. And he had a slave named Onesimus. Uh, who was wronged, or at least he felt wronged, and he ran away from Philemon, and evidently he crossed paths with Paul. And he had become a believer, and he had become very valuable uh, to the ministry, Paul's ministry. You'll actually see his name in Colossians 4, 9. And, and we need to understand that slavery was accepted in the Greco-Roman world at the time. It took many forms uh, but one of the ways that it took a form in is if you went into debt, then you could become a slave to work off your debt. So, for example, let's just say that you charge something on your visa bill or on your visa card and you couldn't pay that back. Well, all of a sudden, what you did in, instead of being turned over to collections, you began to work for visa. You became a slave for visa until until that debt was paid off. And so one of the things that we saw back in, that, in those times is regardless of race, you could become a slave for, for many different reasons. And there was many educated uh, people who were slaves. Uh, many of them had an opportunity to work uh, toward freedom, uh, although they are always recognized as an ex-slave. But we still have to remember uh, that slaves were still uh, treated sometimes less than humane. Uh, sometimes they were treated as property. And Paul, uh, in this letter, he wants to send Onesimus back to Philemon, which is required by Roman law. And, and the same law would say that slave owners had the right to punish runaway slaves. Uh, they could put them in prison. They could do all sorts of things. And so Paul writes to Philemon uh, with a delicate request. He wants him to welcome Onesimus back as he would welcome Paul. And not as a runaway slave, but as a brother in Christ. Uh, and although Paul writes this letter to Philemon, he makes it known that this is not just for Philemon, but it's for the whole church, uh, that, that this message is for the whole church. Something that's fascinating about Philemon is it's the only letter that Paul doesn't talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Yet, he doesn't say it with words, but he demonstrates it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, to, uh, and turn to Philemon. Uh, look, start, let's start looking at verses 4 to 7. It starts off this way. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep on hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. I'm praying that you, will be, that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness have often been refreshed or has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it almost feels like uh, Paul is reminding Philemon 
that you're a loving man, that you're a man of, of faith. You're a generous man. And if he was, if Paul was one of my kids, if he was one of my teenagers at the time, I'd almost feel like he was buttering me up and he's about to, to ask something. When my kids want something, I notice two things. One, they're being extremely nice to me and, and they may even do some nice things for me. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they're about to ask me for money or they're about to ask me to go somewhere or they want me to do something. Well, I'm not saying Paul is doing this, but he does say a bunch of nice things. And guess what? He's about to ask Philemon to do something. And, and, and he's about to ask him for a favor. And he'll say, well, I'm not demanding it, but I'm just asking that you will do this. Because, you know, Onesimus, uh, he, he's been very good to me. He's shown kindness to me. And so I want you to welcome him. You look at, start looking at verse 8. It says, this is why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. And Paul's pretty persuasive, right, when you're reading through this? Verse 9, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me. Paul, an old man, now as a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you that you show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Paul says that Onesimus was useless uh, to you, which is a little ironic because his name actually means useful. But now he's useful to both of us. And you, you'll see that in verses 11 and 12. And he says, I'm going to send him back to you. Uh, and, uh, and with him uh, goes my own heart. And so even though Paul knows that Onesimus is useful, he knows the right thing to do is to send him back uh, to his slave owner, Philemon. Verse 13, I wanted to keep him here with me a while, while I'm in these chains preaching the good news, and he would have helped me uh, on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I'm, I'm being respectful to you. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. Now, we don't know why, Anonymous, or why Onesimus ended up with Paul. We, we don't know if there was harsh words that were said between him and Philemon. We, we just don't know, but we just know that he's in the presence of Paul. And Paul has evidently changed his life uh, a great deal, helped him come to know Christ. And, and, and then Paul says some remarkable words in verse 16. He says, he is no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave. He's a beloved brother, and especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, because both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Paul basically says, I want you to forgive him. I want you to welcome him in as a brother of Christ. Again, we don't know what took place. Well, we don't know, but we do know that there was unresolved conflict. And we know that Roman law said that Onesimus deserved punishment. He could have been in prison. He could have been all kinds of bad things could have happened. Yet Paul says, welcome him as a brother in Christ. Everyone is equal before God. And so for Philemon to accept Onesimus, it could have cost him his reputation. He could have appeared weak or soft. It's a threat to the system that depends on the oils of, of fear and punishment uh, to run smoothly. And so for Philemon to do this, it was going to cost something. Society wouldn't, would say, don't forgive him, punish him. And so 
Philemon has a decision to make. But Paul goes even a step further. If you keep on reading, he says, he says this in verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you welcome me. And if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Isn't that grace right there? Like, whatever he's done, I'll take his punishment. I'll take his punishment. Exactly what Jesus does for us, right? We deserve death, but Jesus says, no, I'm going to take your punishment, and I'm going to give you eternal life. You just have to accept this gift. Verse 19, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your own very so. I mean, Paul is very persuasive here with Philemon. Hey, welcome Onesimus in uh, as a brother. And while the word forgiveness is never, never appears in this letter itself, it drips with the principles of Christian forgiveness. It drips with grace. And so I want to take just a few moments and talk about forgiveness. In life, we have two choices. We can either forgive or we can be resentful. And I think in the times of my life, when I kind of kept this little ledger of how people hurt me, and when I've had resentment in my life, we know that when we do that, bitterness begins to form, anger forms. Often we can isolate ourselves. We can think about all of these bad thoughts. We can let these things fester. And so we can be resentful. We can, we can hold on to things. And chances are we're actually harming ourselves more than we're ever hurting the other person that we're, that we're resentful against. On the other hand, we can forgive. And, and what does forgiveness look like? Well, first of all, forgiveness is a decision. It's a choice that we make. It's an act of the will by the grace of God. Often I can't forgive just because I want to forgive, but I'm able to do it because of the grace of God. Forgiveness releases my right to retaliate. Forgiveness is not saying what you did was right. It's not saying what you did doesn't matter. It's not saying what you did didn't hurt me. But forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to try to punish you uh, because of this. I am wiping the ledger clean. I'm letting, you, I'm letting go of my desire for vengeance. Forgiveness says, I will do my part to restore the relationship. Forgiveness isn't just saying, okay, I'm not going going to get even with you, but I'm also going to try to work on restoring the relationship. Now, we need to understand that sometimes we can forgive someone and they may not want to be forgiven. They may not want to restore the relationship. Now, ultimately, as Christians, we want reconciliation uh, between two parties, but sometimes that, that's two-sided and both parties have to desire that. And so sometimes we're left with just forgiving and having to move on and, and hoping at some point in time, maybe that relationship will be able to be mended. Uh, I think it's very important for us to understand that there's a difference between forgiving people and trusting them. You can forgive someone instantly, but credibility takes time to restore. I also think it's important to realize that people change, that people change. There's historical evidence that says Onesimus uh, eventually was returned uh, to Paul, that Philemon treated him as a brother, returned him to Paul, and guess what? Onesimus uh, became a bishop, a church leader in Ephesus. 
That's the power of forgiveness. We see Philemon having every right to be resentful, every right to to punish him, every right to to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, But but we see Paul pleading on on Onesimus' behalf uh, to to forgive him. And and again, we don't see it in the text. This is simply going by uh, historical, uh, other historical data. But it says that Onesimus eventually became a church leader, a church leader in Ephesus. And just think, what if you, by forgiving someone, you reflected Christ? And what if it made a difference in their life? And what if it helped them grow in their relationship? What if it helped them come to know Christ? So I want to end with a question for you. Is there anyone in your life that you need to forgive? Is there anyone in your life you need to forgive? Are you holding on to a grudge? Are you holding on to a grudge? 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Are you holding on to a record of wrongs? Is there anything that you need to let go of? Is there anyone that you need to forgive? Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you uh, for the example that we see of Paul encouraging Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And, And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to take forgiveness serious. Uh, We know that Satan wants us to hold on to grudges. We know that he wants us to hold on to our hurt and our pain. But Lord, we we know we can't do it on our own strength, but give us the power to forgive. As we take the bread and we take the juice and we remember you and how you've forgiven us, I pray that you'd bless this time in your precious holy name. Amen.